Daniel chapter 3. Before we stand, I want to put it into context for you. Um, Last week, we took a look at biblical prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And as he had told the the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and the magicians and the astrologers, uh, he had told them that not only do you have to tell me interpretation of the dream, you have to tell me the dream. And they said, no one can do this. Only the gods can do that. And they set the stage. And, and then Nebuchadnezzar said, kill them all. And, and, and as the, the chief administrator was going out to kill them all, Daniel said, what's the hurry? Listen, give me some time. I'll, I'll do it both. And then uh, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael joined Daniel and they began to pray and intercede and God gave not only the dream but also the interpretation of the dream and they also, God also gave Daniel the reason why uh, Nebuchadnezzar had the dream and he shares that with Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar's blown away and it's this 100 foot figure where the top of it is gold you guys saw the statue that they did the top of it was gold and then it went to silver and then it went to bronze and then the feet, the ten toes were mixed with clay and, and this is a backbone of, of biblical prophecy and uh, and as I went through the, the idea that every eschatology has a, an asset and a liability, and I shared that with you. But for a lot of us, our eschatology causes apathy and how we don't engage because we kind of want to usher in the end times and it's all going to hell in a handbag. And I might as well just, there's no room for that. You know, the apostle Paul expected the soon return of Christ. The idea is that you're to be engaged in the process. And you want to talk about, you want to talk about going through a tribulation. Maybe some of us here are pre-trib and pre-millennial. And some of us think, well, it's post-trib, the, and, and we're going to go through the, 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 the uh, tribulation. Some of us, no, no, we won't go through the tribulation. Well, for those of you who say we won't go through tribulation, let's talk to our Arab Christian brothers and sisters who are watching, uh, you know, husbands watching their wives being, you know, young kids in here, assaulted. And then watching as the, the parents are being beheaded and the children are, are, are forced to, to bow down and worship Islam. You tell me that's not a tribulation. They're being annihilated. And yet eschatology is not an excuse for apathy. And so wherever we we reside, and when I teach the book of Revelation, when you see the the context of it, the book of Revelation is is written by John to a church that's undergoing persecution. He expected the soon return of Christ. We all do. Good. But we're to, be, we're, we're to occupy until he comes. We push back the gates of hell. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so as we looked at that, we see that, that Nebuchadnezzar is so blown away that he says, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He doesn't say Lord of lords. He says the Lord of kings. The Lord of the kingdoms of the world. He is the head of all the kings. He speaks above them all. And as we see in the Noahic covenant in genesis this idea that governments are created for the protection of man that god appoints all positions of authority we see this and and as and as we go through this this picture nebuchadnezzar is so moved that it's it's almost this call to repentance where he's converted on the spot but then we come to daniel 3 and in daniel 3 it opens up by saying that he creates a golden image now you saw the original image that was gold silver bronze right This image is all gold. He's like, I'm going to rewrite God's word and I'm going to rewrite the image. It's all gold, baby. I'm not just the head. I'm going to be it all. And he gets drunk with the power he possesses. And the tragedy is, is that his kingdom lasts 70 years. But nobody on the face of the earth equals the power that Nebuchadnezzar possesses. And even the Medo-Persian empire won't possess the same power. They'll last longer, but they won't have the same power. He's going to make an edict in Daniel chapter three that's going to cause every realm of his kingdom to gather on the plains of Dura. 
It's about 300,000 people in estimation, all gathering, and the music begins to play, and he demands that the minute that, that the music plays, they see the image, they fall on their faces. And I share that because as we come to this passage getting ready to read it, I want you to know something. In this passage, you're going to feel this morning, at times in your life as well, or even maybe now or in the past, that you're defending a faith that doesn't defend you. And you're going to see that in the lives of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. These three guys who are administrators in a government stand for righteousness when 300,000 people fall. And they stick out like a pimple in the center of your forehead. You ever had those? I mean, people are talking to you and they're pretending like they don't see it and their eyes are like crossed while they're talking to you. No, no, I... And they just can't help but look at Vesuvius on your forehead. Maybe you've never had that. I have, you know. I had acne for me in high school. I was like goalie for the dart team. I mean, it was just awful. Some of you are... Somebody gets it. Praise the Lord. I just... But, but in, this, in this picture, they're, gonna, they're just going to stand out. And, and they've been set up. They've been set up because the people who are in positions of authority want their power. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and including Daniel, they speak truth to power in the midst of this administration. And the people who want power want them gone. And they set them up to the point where even Nebuchadnezzar's bummed. And in this, in this passage, we're going to see Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego listed 13 times. But from Daniel 3 on, you don't hear about him anymore. And the question is, where is Daniel? I don't know. But I do know this. The remainder of the book will include Daniel. And uh, this is a powerful story. It's one of my favorite in the scriptures. So let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We're only going to go through verse 18 this morning. Next week, we're going to finish the remainder of the story. I believe it requires two weeks of study. And we'll begin with verse one. I'll read out loud if you'll follow along silently. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. That's about 100 feet tall. Whose height was 60 cubits. Its width was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, jazz, techno, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. They do all kinds of music. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in symphony, with all kinds of music, death metal, zom, 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 zom. I just added that. All the people's nations and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews, which they had planned to do all along. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. 
There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury, and I think he was angry because he had been suckered, but he knew he couldn't back away, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good, good, we're all going to be fine. They used to tell the Christians, just throw the, just throw the incense at the foot of Caesar and you'll live. Just bow down on the plains of Duro. That's all it takes. You'll, you'll live to fight another day. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There's nothing I can do. It's already been decreed. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I, I can't save you. You're going to be cooked. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I love the King James Version. It says, we don't, uh, we don't have to be careful in answering you. Basically, you know, when someone comes up to me and says, you know, Pastor Rob, I want to donate $100,000 to the church. Uh, would you pray about that if it's okay? It's okay. You know, uh, you know, I'll fast on it. I put my burrito down. It's okay. And I begin to eat again. It doesn't... It, <laughs> You don't have to think about that, amen? Unless, of course, you're a felon or something and you want to use dirty money and blonder it. No. Let's go back. Where were we? Um, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18, listen to this. But if not. See, those words are hard to stomach. But if not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It's hard when God says no and you have expectations. How do, you, how do you harmonize the sovereignty of God with the pain that he inflicts with a God who declares that he loves you? As a minister, I walk into a hospital room with a three-year-old who's dying of leukemia and the parents say, why is God doing this to me? I know that God could snap his fingers, speak the word as he did to the centurion servant, And the baby would be healed. And the baby dies. How do you harmonize the sovereignty of God, the pain that has been hit with that family, and the love of God? I know this. At that moment, it's hard. Romans 8.28 almost is hollow when you recite it to a family. But over time, as God takes them through the valley of the shadow of death, they become ministers of that harmonizing effect. They get it. I don't know how he does it. He just does. But if not, that's one we have to come to terms with today, especially in this Christmas season. Because there are a lot of folks that are hurting right now. Lord, we ask your blessing upon your word. Cause us to come alive. Minister to us now, we pray, that we would honor and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, please be seated. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by your name. You are mine. Now, Christ is our redeemer. He's our savior. We've been redeemed from the slave block of the world and into his kingdom as his children. He's cast our sins as far as east is from the west to be remembered no more. His righteousness has been imputed, put on our account. We're washed as white as snow. When God sees us, he doesn't see us in, his, in our sin. He sees us in his son's righteousness. I have called you by your name. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and God says you are mine. When you pass through the waters, now that you're mine, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Some of our families in our church suffered through the landslides in Camarillo Springs. They shall not overflow you and when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were familiar with these writings. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We speak of a Savior in Christmas time. We speak of a God who's come to save us. Are we willing to lay down our lives? Is He just our Savior or is He also our Lord? When our expectations of God come into conflict with His will that's opposite of our expectations, but if not, can we deal with that? You see, the fascinating aspect of this passage is we know how it ends. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego have no idea. They know the refiner's fire. The Chaldeans, or excuse me, the Babylonians have perfected metallurgy. When Herodotus walked through Babylon after it had fallen, even years afterwards, there were still 22 tons of gold encompassing the remains of Babylon. They knew how to take the dross out of the gold. They knew how to heat things. They had built smelting plants, furnaces like you can't imagine. And these folks as administrators over the government knew exactly where they were and how they operated. And they saw how it, how it all came together. They were aware of how hot it was. And they had seen how Nebuchadnezzar had operated. They had seen how people had been burned already. They knew how ruthless he was. You want to do historical accounts and you want to study the past and you want to see scripture in context, you would learn how ruthless the Babylonians were. And as powerful and all-powerful as Nebuchadnezzar is, and he's had this dream, he now makes this image not out of gold, silver, and bronze. He makes it all out of gold. And if you saw that A&E special with that obelisk that had five sides to it, on three of the sides, it spoke of Meshach. It spoke of Abednego, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. It spoke of all three of them as administrators. Daniel's name was not present, and the names were in Aramaic. These are historical figures, in a kingdom that lasted 70 years that was unprecedented in the history of the world for its intensity to inflict its pain upon its enemies. So they know what they're up against. And so when they bring out this 100-foot image of gold that was probably from the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, had we don't know, when it's removed and, and the, the, the music begins to play and they played every kind of music imaginable, you fall and you worship. And you don't, you die, you burn. That's it. And the Chaldeans set them up. Why? Because Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and also Belteshazzar, which is Daniel, they had risen to the ranks of authority in the kingdom. And as they had risen to the ranks of authority in the kingdom, they spoke truth to power. And all these folks wanted was power. And how do you get to power? You're ruthless. 
This idea of evolutionary process that, 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 you, that you rise to the ranks. And it's the evolutionary process that the weak die. And we're going to show you how to survive in this world. And we're going to set them up. And so when 300,000 people estimated fell on their faces on the plains of Dura and the dust settled, there were three guys standing out like the pimple on your forehead. And you can imagine the Chaldeans up there going, got them. And, and they came, they said, these guys didn't do it, Nebuchadnezzar. He's bummed because you're going to see later in the passage that he's longing for them to be all right. And, and as you watch this, these three guys stand up. No compromise. Now the point that we're going to emphasize in the course of this, and this is one of those things that is interesting to me and I struggle with it. I, I've gone through this a number of times. I faced it last week and throughout the course of the last months. And whether it's one or two letters or it's comments or statements, I look at this passage of scripture and the reality is you're dealing with the majority of the folks in the Old Testament, they're political figures. And these, these are the plains of Dura. And every day in the course of your life, you're going to be asked to bow. You're going to have a plain of Dura. It's going to be a place where you're going to be called to compromise. When I share with you the story of when we were in Birkenau, 33 SS guards killed 900,000 Jews. Some folks were struggling with that. Why do, you have to, why do you have to tie that in all the time with politics? What is it going to take? What is it going to take to understand the context of the scripture as though there's some sort of a divorce between what we're living and what the scriptures say? Help me. How does this not apply? I understand the disconnect that, that in my generation... I remember praying in schools. Anyone who's 30 and younger or 40 and younger, you didn't get that. You've been raised with this mindset of a separation of church and state. Every time I bring it up, it just grates you because you've been inculcated with this concept that this doesn't apply. I shared last week, 1966, Calvary Chapel started. Calvary Chapel's verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Amen. But help me. What is the disconnect between 1966 and 2014 as we've experienced a 10,000% growth as a, as a group of churches teaching the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and we're the number one abortion provider in the world, the author of no-fault divorce and transgender bathroom bills. What is the disconnect? We're faithful to the word. But why is it that it has no bearing as it did for Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? You say, well, it doesn't apply today. It doesn't. Everybody has a plane of Dura. In this room right now, in this room right now are some of the most amazing missionaries on the face of the earth. Public employees. You are in the thick of the most trying realm on the face of the earth. You are in the middle of a world that detests, in some respects, the God you serve. Every day you're asked to compromise. Every day. 
I was thinking about this lady that I met. Fascinating woman. I met her when I was in Orange County during the election. Her name is Rebecca. She's in the LA Times. You want to talk about standing on the plains of Dura. Listen to this. This is out of the, New, uh, the LA Times. Rebecca Friedrichs figures 30 years is long enough when it comes to paying her dues. A fourth grade teacher in the Anaheim Public Schools, Friedrichs has long had problems with the way the California Teachers Association spends the union dues it takes in and the way it goes about collecting the money from the rank and file. Now she and nine other teachers, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and some others, around the state are fighting back. They're standing the 10 public school teachers allege in the lawsuit that the CTA, the largest affiliate of the National Education Association, has no right to spend the rank and file's money on political campaigns which members disagree. They're the number one supporter of abortion in, the, in California, by the way. For those of you who are struggling, please show me in the scriptures, in your education in the scriptures, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in your mother's room. Is there anyone in the room who would disagree that this is a baby? be protected or is it just a blob of tissue according to the scriptures how does this not apply it's been a long time coming Friedrichs told Fox News I begrudgingly paid union dues for years in the case currently before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals Friedrichs and the other teachers say the union forces them to participate in collective bargaining pressures teachers to campaign for select selected political candidates and unlawfully collects dues it's more than just the fees, Friedrich says. I'm bothered with the ins and outs of collective bargaining. Everything they, the CTA, do is political. Under California state law, a union that is recognized as the exclusive bargaining representative for a school district such as the CTA can enter into an organizational security or agency shop agreement, which in lay terms means that while it is not mandatory for a teacher in the district to become a member of the local union, they must pay fees to the union for its for it to negotiate on their behalf. The rule is a condition of employment for all teachers. They're forced to pay dues, even though it's contrary to what they believe. Bow down. Friedrichs alleges that the CTA members and non-members alike pay the full annual dues, which total around $1,000. With non-members only able to request reimbursement of the portion deemed separate from bargaining expenses, the CTA does little to make sure they are aware of how much money they should be paid back. They make it hard for a teacher to find out how to get their money back. My husband, who is also a teacher, paid for 30 years and thought he was paying only the bargaining fees. He was never told what refunds he was entitled to. He was never able to get the money back. Officials for the CTA and National Education Association did not respond to requests for comment. And, and you say, well, that's... Why do you have to tie that in? I have news for you. Those are... Those are those are living Meshach, Shadrachs, and Abednego standing on the plains of Dura and their employment is in jeopardy. That's application to the text. This is life. Yeah, but don't, don't go into life. Just it, observation, interpretation, application. And so when you see this, but if not... I don't even have to think about this. I'm not bowing. Every day, our, our missionaries in the public sector have to deal with this. But you know what? You know how easy it would have been for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego just to bow down and live another day, to fight another day? 
Compromise is so easy. That's how they did 33 SS guards for 900,000 Jews. But when Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and Daniel stood, they brought down the Babylonian Empire. Every day, compromise is easy. It's not hard to get along to get along. It isn't. And every day we face the plains of Dura. Cassie Bernal. Dylan Klebo comes into the library. Columbine points the gun at her head and says, do you believe in God? She watched all the other kids get shot. All she had to do was say no and live. Come on. Just bow. And she said, yes, I believe in God. Bang. It appeared Cassie Bernal was defending a a faith that didn't defend her. It appeared. This is the Christian walk. This is the reality of where we live. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king in verse 16, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I don't even have to think about this. No. Oh, you're the party of no. 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 But look how many people are in opposition to you. Great. No. Edmund Burke said, the conviction of one man standing with God constitutes a majority. Hello? No. We don't have to think about it. No. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He can deliver us. He can cure my daughter of leukemia. He can do it like that. He'll deliver us from the fiery furnace and he'll deliver us from your hand. You have no authority over us. You may think you have power, but in 70 years you're gonna be gone. They don't know the answer to that, but the reality is they know that God appoints all positions of authority. It was, it was, it was uh, Franklin Graham on the, on the radio, I listened to him, talking about our brothers and sisters in the 1040 window, longitude and latitude, our Arab Christian brothers and sisters who are being massacred by ISIS right now. And, and the commentator interviewing Franklin Graham said, wouldn't it just be easier if they just renounced their faith to live? And Franklin Graham said that would be a lie. And we serve a God of truth. How big is your God? Are you just getting along? Are you bowing on the plains of Dura just to live another day so you can fight? How is anyone going to know unless we stand? And you, you can say, and, and as they say, they're, we're, they're watching their families massacred and they're not denying their faith. Christians in Rome, all they had to do was sprinkle incense at the altar of Caesar and they would live. They wouldn't even do that. And every day we're faced with the plains of Dura. Every day. Just skim a little off the top. Cheat on your taxes. No one's going to know. You can watch this and no one will even know on the internet or the computer. You have handheld devices. You can hide in your... You can do whatever you want. No. Children every day are faced on the plains of Dura. You've got to dress like this if you're going to get along. And you've got to be promiscuous if you're going to get along. No. 
And parents set the example for them to be strong. The author of Hebrews, some assume it was Paul. I do. But he, because this is uh, chapter 7, verse 24, 25, but, but the Lord, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession. How do you save someone to the uttermost? It's called heaven. Uttermost. Complete salvation, living with God for all eternity. Oftentimes when people come for prayer and they're sick, we long to have the answer of of healing. And God can heal through the body itself, which is amazing, can heal through the hands of a doctor that God gives wisdom to, which is amazing. Miraculous, where we can't even define it. And those are the only three healings that we want to even comprehend. We dismiss the fourth healing, which is eternal in the heavens, a brand new body. And, and, and that's where those words, but if not, these three, but if not, you okay with that? But if not. Now we want to live, we want to serve, we want to be in accordance with God's will. Sometimes disease brings us to a place where we realize there's so much of our life we haven't given to God. And that's where you come to that harmonizing of his sovereignty and the pain along with, with his love where you can say before God that he will, he will deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He is sovereign. Flames don't touch God's people. He will deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He'll deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... In 1930s, in Nazi Germany, this was the command of the party. One cannot be a good German and at the same time deny God. Okay. But an avow of faith in the eternal Germany is an avow of faith in the eternal God. And whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, serves Germany. And whoever serves Germany serves God. The Observation would write, and I I saw this article, there is a lot of talk in Germany about Hitler's messianic characteristics. The thesis that Hitler is a miraculous being sent by a supreme power and that he is capable of mystic communion with the German masses is gaining gaining greater currency. Consequently, uh, the attack on on the Christian religion becomes more severe. However, in Germany, no attempt is made to stop, or excuse me, to stamp out the faith in the supernatural, Satan knows that we've been created to worship. We don't want to stamp out the supernatural. That's, in, that's why in Revelation 13, the same beast is there and it says, you bow down to this and, and you live. If you don't, you die. And the ones whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life didn't bow down, Romans, or excuse me, Revelation 13. It goes on today. Worship, just don't worship God. What, how do you know worship? What you spend your time, your treasures and your talents on. Why do you think we do the tithe? That's worship, you can see what you're worshiping. And, and in this picture, it says, in Germany, no attempt is made to stamp out the faith in the supernatural. The policy is more blasphemous. It is to replace Christ. Religion is now counterfeited rather than dismissed. This extraordinary tendency is perhaps without parallel during the last 2,000 years. The Nazis are trying to create an anti-type of Christianity as they have made their leader their God. And of course, what destruction came through that entire process? 50 million people dead. And today it's the same thing. 
You don't have to stand for Christ. Just get along and live to fight another day. Just bow down. Deuteronomy 33 says, there's no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on, in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are, the ever, are his everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say destroy. I share that because when we feel as though we're defending a faith that isn't defending us, we struggle. Every day, everyone is asked to bow on the plains of Dura. I marvel at that. It's, it's, my Christian walk has never been harder in all my life. The letters, the, the mailers, the mocking, the ridicule, the disdain, the smirks. What are you doing? Just, we don't do that. I ask you the question, why, why don't we? Because nobody does it. Well, why shouldn't we? Why aren't you? Everybody has a plane of Dura. Every day you're asked to compromise. Every day you go through a trial and a struggle. And the picture is, when you don't bow on the plains of Dura, you're worshiping the living God as you stand. You see, that's why we stand when we worship. He's worthy of our worship. You don't bow when the music plays. What's your music? What frightened you to get down on your face? What draws you away from the Lord? What kind of music draws you away from the Lord? Is it a tune that they play? Politics. You play that tune, I'm, 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 I'm with the masses. Is it rebellion? Is it your dress? What causes you to compromise? We can even come to a place where we're so dead set on tradition and what we expect of God and his church that we're unyielding. And I have news for you. You'll never understand the harmony of the sovereignty of God and the pain that you experience with his love until you stand on the plains of Dura. You'll never understand it. Just compromise. And and drink the Kool-Aid. But when you stand, you'll see it harmonize. Your Christian faith will be unlike anything you've ever experienced. And you'll watch as an empire will fall and God will rise. And the world will worship him, including Nebuchadnezzar. It's Christmas time. He's a babe in the manger. He's Savior but he's also Lord. 
He's coming back on a white horse. And he's opening up a can of Jesus. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And every day we testify that we are the sheep in his pasture because we don't bow on the plains of Dura. Let him minister to you, bless you, and strengthen you that the world would know that he is the Lord of kings and the God of gods. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of Daniel chapter 3 that just the resolve of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And if he will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Lord, we tend to worship anything that pertains to money or wealth whether it's our retirement, our pension, whatever it is, we'll bow on the plains of Dura just as long as we get along. But God, to stand in opposition, Lord, as Rebecca did and has, has continued to do in those 10 teachers, I marvel at their, their resolve. And, and we just hate it that they shake us up and, and they, they, they bring attention. We just, we just want to be invisible. We just want to be part of the crowd. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be the pimple on the forehead. But God, it's Christmas. How will the world know unless we tell them by the life we live? We will not bow down. We don't even have to think about this. Lord, would you give everyone in this room the ability to stand on the plains of Dura? Lord, you, you're the savior of the world and you came to set the captives free. We're captive to the music that causes us to bow down. We'll, we'll take a dry, crusty piece of bread just to live another day. But you've called us more than conquerors. And in humility we stand, strangely as that sounds. Lord, I ask that you would pour your spirit upon this room. That though you are the savior of the world, you'd be more than a savior to us. You'd be Lord I ask God in this Christmas season that as the Savior is revealed and lives are saved, that hearts would be steadfast to stand in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your gift of salvation, the good news of the gospel, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. We thank you. Lord, bless your people now that we would stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.